0: From the conversation, this is Politics with Michelle Grattan, a podcast where we hear from politicians and experts on the issues of the day.
1: The Labor Party is committed to extensively reforming federal electoral laws with the objective of improving transparency, accountability and fairness. Now the Parliamentary Committee that examines each election has put forward a set of sweeping recommendations for change. The Joint Standing Committee on Electoral Matters, in its majority report, has recommended there should be caps on campaigning donations and spending, a much lower threshold for declaring donations and reporting of donations in real time. It also urges that caps on donations and spending should apply to third parties, which would restrict the scope of, for instance, Climate 200 to have as much influence as it did at the last election. Today we are joined by Special Minister of State Don Farrell to discuss the electoral report and what the government plans to do about it. Please excuse the division bells which rang inconveniently. Don Farrell, can we start with how you see what's currently wrong with our federal laws relating to donations and election spending?
0: Look, I think the big problem with our current system is the lack of transparency. And there's two aspects of this which the committee has uh, considered. One is the level of donation disclosure the moment, it's $15,000. The the committee recommends uh, reducing that to $1,000. The Labor Party um, supports that. And that gives, obviously, the voters a much better idea about who's supporting a particular candidate. Associated with that is the issue of real-time disclosure. At the moment, you might donate $15,000 to a candidate, but it's 12 months or so before the voters find out who actually donated that money. So a combination of reducing the the threshold and real-time disclosures will allow voters to know who it is that's also backing that particular candidate. And I think that will significantly improve the transparency of uh, of Australian elections.
1: And what about the caps on... Spending and donations, are you in general in favour of those? Labor is committed in broad terms to such caps.
0: Look, um, I, I, I am broadly in favour. Um, what we saw at the last election was that one individual spending $117 million on the uh, on the election. We knew that particular individual was spending... This is Clive Palmer. This is Clive Palmer. We knew he was spending plenty of money because everywhere you looked there was a billboard or a poster or a radio or a TV ad. Uh, What we didn't know was just how much he's spending. The Australian electoral system shouldn't be just open to people with lots of money. Australian elections are about ideas and policies, not the wealth of the, uh, the political backers. So I think we've now reached the point... And I'm hoping that there'll be broad consensus on this across the uh, the political parties, that we've got to do something to firstly restrict the amount of money that individuals can can, can spend, but also ensure that uh, combination of transparency so that ordinary people can run campaigns.
1: Your critics would say a union that wanted, for example, to influence an election could spend a huge amount and quite a lot of them spend quite a lot of money, or a company could spend a a large amount. What would be your reply? It's not just potentially an individual.
0: Well, look, I I think we've got to look at the totality of uh, the people that are spending money. I don't say that unions or companies should be exempt from that uh, process. I think that a serious attempt to reform our electoral system means that we've got to apply uh, limits to um, you know all of the people who participate in the uh, in in the process but what i'm concerned about is that the expenditure by wealthy people to buy essentially buy election results is now completely out of control and we've got to do something about it
1: Now, the report talks about caps also being on third parties and associated entities. Of course, in the last election, we saw Homes of Courts Climate 200 spend a lot of money, nothing like Clive Palmer, I might add, but a lot of money. We saw the Teals benefiting not only from that money, but other donations, obviously, and spending a great deal of money in those individual seats. And yet, if uh, third parties are covered by these caps, the argument is that uh, other people, unknown candidates, will have a lot more trouble in the future getting in because you have to spend quite a lot to be known if you're not associated with a party or already have a big name. So how do you weigh up those things? And do you agree with caps applying to third parties?
0: Well, to, to answer that last question first, uh, yes, we do believe in caps applying to, to third parties because you can't have a system uh, which simply says, well, if you're not a union, not a business or um, so forth, that you don't have to uh, comply with the, uh, the rules. It's got to be uh, a level playing field. We won't have discussions with all of these groups. In fact, I've already had some discussions with, um, with, with some of these groups that you've just mentioned. Um, I think there's a balance whereby we increase this transparency, we restrict the ability of rich people simply to buy election results, but um, at the end of the day, we we improve access to our democracy. I think there is a balance there. My job in the next six months before the final report will be to try and find that balance.
1: Now, you said that reform should be bipartisan, but The interim report had a dissenting report from the coalition. So are you willing to go it alone, not to wait for bipartisanship?
0: My preferred position with all electoral reform is that it should be bipartisan. When I was the shadow um, special minister of state, I worked closely with Senator Cormann, who was then the special minister of state, uh, and then uh, his, uh, his successors. There was a couple of them to try and get this uh, consensus position. I think Australian democracy works best when the parliament works together to get the best result for the community. Um, I haven't given up hope that we can get consensus uh, on this occasion. I think it must have dawned on all of the political parties that there's a problem with transparency and there's a uh, problem with who can participate in, uh, successfully, in Australian election results I think there is a balance there, and it's my intention to start those discussions now that the report has been handed down to try and achieve that. So
1: Even before the final report? Even
0: before the final report. I think the problem will be that if we, if we were, for instance, to leave it to the final report and the final report comes down in December, you're probably not going to get into meaningful negotiations into February and then you're running against the uh, timetable for the next election. I'd like to see a consensus outcome before the end of the year and that implemented either this year or, or early next year so that the Australian Electoral Commission has got plenty of time to implement whatever changes we agree upon.
1: So you want them for the next election and you want a a total package, not just some of these things, but all these things that we've canvassed. Yeah,
0: yeah. Look, look, I think all of the recommendations are worth um, giving consideration to. As I said, I am keen to get consensus and uh, that'll be my objective over the next six months.
1: The report also favours legislation for truth in advertising. How difficult is this? Uh, because, for example, we're seeing in the referendum campaign that some claims are said to be misinformation by some people, but they're also said to be legitimate arguments and facts by others.
0: Yeah, look, look, it's. I agree with you, uh, Michelle. It's not easy to find the, the right balance there because what one person might consider a fact, um, uh, another person might consider uh, to be a to be a furphy. But I think some some claims are simply so agrarious that they need to be dispelled and dispelled by an authoritative source. So, look, I don't have any fixed ideas on how to resolve this. I note that the South Australian government did introduce some legislation to this effect. And, and that you might... come from
1: South Australia.
0: And I do come from South Australia, the great state of South Australia. So it is possible to introduce legislation along these lines.
1: And you think it works there?
0: Look, I think it has resolved some of the issues that relate to those very obvious claims of misinformation. But look, I don't have a fixed um, view on it. I, I do think the more we can put voters' minds to rest that statements um, you know, are, are not misleading, then the better. But I'm happy to look at any suggestions as to how we might do that. But
1: that wouldn't be part of the package, that we were talking about.
0: That would be part of the package if we can get consensus on it uh, in the lead up to the next election.
1: Can I just ask you about the referendum from the point of view of uh, how it's run and, and uh, the electoral system? What do you see as the big challenges there?
0: The, the big challenges in terms of how the... Uh, the um...
1: How it's conducted and getting the vote out, yeah. these sorts of look, issues. Look, I, I,
0: well, I don't see it being any more or less difficult than a, a federal election in some ways it's a simpler process because you've you've you know you don't have six or seven candidates uh, or 50 senate uh, candidates to select from you've got uh, a simple choice either yes or uh, or no so i think in in one sense it's a simpler process although the experience that you're going to get as a result of uh, some legislation that we introduced earlier in the year will be identical to what goes on in a, in a federal election. Everything will be um, identical to, to what you'd expect to get. Um, I'm hopeful that the debate will be a respectful debate. Um, we're already starting the process on the Labor side of working out the uh, the yes case, and I imagine other people are dealing with the, the, the no case. I... I'm a supporter of recognition of uh, Indigenous Australians through a voice to, uh, to Parliament, so I'll certainly be uh, advocating for a yes vote. But look, it's a democracy. It's a big hurdle to achieve, and I suppose this goes to your point. Not only do you have to get a majority of Australians uh, voting for it, but you've got to get a majority of states. So four of at least four of the six states have to vote in favour. So it's a difficult task, and as we know from past experience, it has been quite difficult to get uh, referenda up, but look, I think with a with some goodwill in this uh, in this debate and some sensible discussion about what this means, uh, we can achieve an indigenous voice to parliament.
1: Obviously, it's very important that the vote be got out in remote communities. Now, this is a challenge at every election, but is it a special challenge at this election for the electoral commission?
0: Look, it's a challenge in every election, getting into Indigenous communities, and of course, the, the later in the year that you go, then the more difficult it can be with storms and so forth. What we've done... This is in the north? In of the office. north, in the, in, in the north of Australia, and of course, that's where large numbers of Indigenous Australians uh, live. I um you know, I, I'm pleased to report that since this government came to uh, to office, we've Lifted Indigenous enrolment from roughly 81% that it was at the last election up to 84.5%, and we're expecting to get some more figures next month, which I'm confident will show an even greater participation. So there's two aspects to this. Firstly, we have to get more Indigenous Australians on the roll because they are underrepresented. I mean, remember that at, at uh, the next election, something in excess of 98% of all Australians will be on the roll. I mean, this is, this is actually quite an incredible result in, uh, in any democracy. But we're not there yet with Indigenous Australians. And of course, some of the reports out of, um, out of the recommendations were, how do we increase the level of um, Indigenous uh, voting? I made it a little bit easier a few weeks ago by allowing your Medicare card to be one of the evidences for enrolment on the um, on the electoral roll. So yes, look, there's, it's a challenge, but I think we have devoted more resources um, to getting more Indigenous Australians on the roll, and I think you'll find more Indigenous Australians will vote on this issue in the referendum.
1: Just in terms of your point on the weather in the North, this is an argument for having the referendum in October rather than late November, say, or December.
0: You're absolutely right there, Michelle. Uh, I think the later in the... So, under the referendum act, you've got to call the election no sooner than two months and no longer than six months after the legislation has has passed. The legislation has now passed. I think that when the uh, Prime Minister gives consideration to this issue, obviously the fact that it's more difficult to um, get out and for the Electoral Commission to get into a lot of these Indigenous uh, communities in the wet season, we'll see the vote being sooner rather than later. Why
1: not go in September?
0: Well, it's entirely in the hands of the, uh, the Prime Minister. Would
1: you like to see it in September for the Electoral Commission's convenings? I,
0: um, I'm happy to adopt whatever date that the uh, Prime Minister uh, selects. Because either way, very whatever, diplomatic. Date, whatever day it's going to be, I'll be voting yes.
1: All right. One last question. You suggested this week that the legislation, which has been deferred again for Labor's planned housing fund, could become a a double dissolution bill if it's um, defeated at a later stage. Would a double dissolution at some point be advantageous to Labor or would you just get a a larger salad on the crossbench in the Senate, which is probably uh, a difficulty for either party once in government?
0: No, look, I'm uh, not advocating a double dissolution. What I am advocating is for the Greens political party to come to their senses. They say they want more spending on, uh, on housing, particularly social and affordable housing. At the moment, they're lining up with the coalition to block $10 billion worth of spending on affordable and social housing. This doesn't make any sense at all.
1: Well, they did get a couple of billion.
0: Well, the Labor Party announced a couple of billion. Um, They're claiming credit for it. But look, that was a decision by the Labor Party in response to a whole suite of things that we're doing to try and improve the circumstances for particularly affordable and uh, and social housing. I'm sure
1: it had the uh, bill in mind, though.
0: I'm I'm sure the Prime Minister was thinking only about um, all of those people who currently don't have access to um, a roof over their head and how a Labor government might best uh, improve the situation for those people. But uh, the, the principal point is this. If the Greens are serious about improving the circumstances for social and affordable housing, there's only one offer on the table, and that's the Labor Party's offer. And it was the offer that we took to the last election. You know, we we didn't beat around the bush here. We didn't say we were going to do one thing and doing something else. We're doing exactly what the Australian people or what we told the Australian people we were going to do before the last election.
1: Well, there's probably a bit of blinking ahead somewhere in the system in the coming weeks. Don Farrell, thank you very much for talking with the Conversations Politics podcast today. Hopefully we'll catch up again before the referendum vote. That's all for today's podcast. Thank you to my producer, Mikey Burnett. We'll be back with another interview soon, but goodbye for now.
0: Thanks, Michelle. Our theme music is by Lee Rosevere. You can find more podcasts from The Conversation on our website at theconversation.com. Hi, I'm Misha Ketchell, editor of The Conversation. We work with academic experts to make their work accessible so we can all be better informed. Everything we do is free to read and free to republish. Our only agenda is informing you, but we need your support. Every donation helps ensure quality information is available to everyone. Become a donor today. Go to donate.theconversation.com or follow the link in the show notes.